0: All right, welcome back. This is the Pines End Provisions Podcast. Uh, today we're going to do a little special tasting and kind of geeking out on how to drink and rate good beer. Um, I guess you could do it for bad beer too, but uh, I'm joined with Ryan to my right. Hey, Evan. So it's just us two. Uh, of course, Mark and Dan are sorely missed, and I know that they are sorely missing this, but sometimes as schedules align some of them don't but we're happy to have ryan here because i'm gonna do a lot of turning the mic over to make sure he's got his floor because this is definitely his wheelhouse
1: yeah and today's thursday day one of uh, march madness so uh, one of the best days of the year for sports and we had to go uh, into evan's office and look uh, out into the backyard so we're not distracted by any of the games going on right now
0: yeah or children or like children that. yeah or children thing too so i want this to kind of set and warm so you'll. Appreciate the uh the the sound there.
1: And we're likely just gonna drink one beer today. Is that right, Evan?
0: That's amazing.
1: It's a it's a big bottle, so splitting it two two ways is is plenty for two of us and uh the alcohol content's a little high as well. So
0: So tell us a little bit about uh your best beer of the last week or two.
1: Yeah, so uh I'm I've got two. Um One is uh, is I guess a good example from uh, from what we talked about on episode five um, for kind of the new style of fruited beers, and uh, that was more referencing obviously IPAs um, that have come into the the fruited stages. But uh, one I had um, recently with uh, with a colleague of mine, Tom, um, who's gonna I think gonna be a a new listener uh, here upcoming. He was in Richmond, Virginia. I know we've talked about them a few times, Uh, and he picked up a uh, crawler from the answer called Unicorn Juice. Uh, It was, I think, 3.8% or 3.5% a GOES style uh, with magenta dragon fruit, passion fruit, and pink guava. Um, And it was, I mean, it looked like a pink milk, I mean, not even like a pink popsicle melted into a glass. so we all kind of stated, uh, we split it three ways with another colleague, and we all kind of stated that we couldn't have more than you know the eight ounces or so that we had um, from the crawler, uh, and you definitely couldn't have multiple of those, but we kind of joked, and I mentioned how, um, how you said last time that um, you, were, you had to convince Erin to, to take a sip on one of them because she didn't want to have a drink that night or whatever, and then she said, wait, is this, this, a, is, is this a juice box for the this, kids, or yeah, this is this actually an alcoholic drink?
0: Those are, yeah, those are, those are just like fruit purees. They're so interesting and new and really push the limit. So those are fun to drink. Yeah,
1: it was, uh, it was really, really enjoyable. Um, yesterday it was about 55 degrees out, which is pretty good weather for this time of year. So just kind of having a little bit more of a refreshing style drink, it was pretty nice. Um, yep. The other one I was just going to mention is, uh, is by Prairie Artists and Ales out of, uh, the Oklahoma city area. They did a uh, a a member barrel series where uh, members of their program actually got to I think have their own barrel um, barrel aged beer and they got to pick three adjuncts Um, and then they you know Prairie did all the work they barrel aged the stout Um, I assume they probably did uh, a bigger batch of the stout you know itself for everyone's different adjuncts but uh, then the members got I don't know maybe 600 bottles or so for uh, for themselves or for you know, a lot of people did groups of eight or 10 or something and split it and things like that. So I had one of that series called the campground stout. Um, They're all about 14%. So it was kind of a long sipper. And uh, I took some notes and and really just kind of enjoyed it, uh, you know, with uh, kind of a peace and quiet evening, uh, which I'll talk a little bit more about as we uh, get into our nerding out session. But uh, it was, uh, it's an imperial stout aged in bourbon barrels with vanilla, cacao nibs and marshmallow. Um, So it's you know, I don't know exactly the difference of what those flavors impart between you know marshmallow uh, versus you know vanilla al- extract or vanilla beans. It's got to be pretty similar, maybe a little bit more sugary on the marshmallow. But man, it was it was really really good. Um, really really just a, a a nice balance of the chocolate mixed with uh, you you did get some booze from the barrel and um, and plenty of vanilla, not overpowering anything like that. And I do uh, I do like that that vanilla add added oh, yeah. sweet you know, sweet adjunct, and uh, it was it was really, really good.
0: I know that's probably your favorite adjunct. It probably
1: is, yes. Yeah, so... It's, it's hard to, you know, compete with co- coconut and uh, maple <laughs> syrup, but vanilla is probably my favorite.
0: Yeah. So I would say mine, um, locally, actually, was the Triptych Sweet Jumps. Um, I think they, again, released one of their best hazy style. This was technically a pale ale to date. Uh, I believe it was done with El Dorado, Azteca, and Citra Hops. But it poured that nice, really bright, uh, hazy uh, straw color. Uh, had a good head and good carbonation, not over-carbonated, not undercarbonated, and it really had zero bitterness. I mean, it was smooth, very fruity, and I think they continue to uh, evolve and show improvement with the way that they're doing their New England style IPAs too.
1: Yeah, I would I would agree. I had that too, um, and uh, I think the the alcohol content was. 5.2, 5.3, something like that. Yeah, so a crushable. I think what we were talking about is, you know, not to na- mention any names or whatever, but uh, Triptych is kind of under the radar as far as, you know... Y- America world or not worldwide, yeah. but nationwide yeah. um, New England IPA makers and um, that's I mean they they're competing with that style, uh, especially under six percent for a, a hazy IPA that was um, one of the best I've had yeah, it was really you know just like you just like you mentioned the carbon carb was perfect, the flavors were on point it was it was good
0: yeah, and I think with we've mentioned before, uh, we know that they're toying around with a new yeast strain, so I think that that's you know I know that the colors of those are now becoming a little less of that they kind of had a little amber hue now it's getting a little bit more straw and yellow colored instead of having that it kind of you get that impression that it's a little bit more malty and i i just think that they're they're evolving in a very good way
1: yeah and for any of our listeners who haven't had it uh give us a shout out on uh, any of our social media platforms and uh you know we we can't buy the stores out but uh we could definitely get you know four pack yeah. here and there uh, shipped uh, to uh, different places around the country to continue to spread that word. Because oh, yeah. I've done that with a few friends I have around the country, and and they're kind of blown away. They're they're like, wait, this is uh, this is this is something made in in Savoy, Illinois, and you know yep. it's not monkish or treehouse, but it, it's really hazy. It's it tastes great, and people are pretty impressed. So that's yeah, that's a good one to mention.
0: Yeah, so. Um, the last thing we'll do is kind of we want to start doing some listener prof, uh, listener call-in questions. I guess not call-in, but, you know, social media kind of questions. If you tweet us, if you uh, send us a message on Facebook, if you uh, send us a message on Instagram, we're happy to oblige and answer those questions if we think they're really interesting. So uh, Nate from Florida had uh, specifically asked us what our favorite variant of the 2017 bourbon county brand stout series was for me to be honest it it was the reserve barrel the knob creek barrel Um, it really was a much more smooth finish when it comes to the barrel nice and sweet as well i think this year's bourbon county was a lot more chocolatey than you know in years past obviously that must be some prominence in the malt profile maybe they've had a little bit more influence from some barrels but it did have a lot of chocolatey sweetness but the, the Knob Creek barrels really did turn a little um, softer barrel instead of that harsh boozy barrel. And it's a really solid beer.
1: Yeah. They're yeah, really, really great flavors. I agree. Um, I think my, uh, my, my favorite for this year um, was the, uh, the proprietor series um, the Chicago only release um, off the top of my head. I don't know the exact uh, in- ingredients, but I know it had, it was a take on a dessert that, bananas, foster, uh, bananas, foster. That's right. And uh, so it had, um, uh, Cassia bark, yep. uh, slack, you know, cinnamon, cinnamon basically bananas. Uh, and bananas. And phew, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's really good. Yeah. Uh, I, I never really thought, uh, bananas would come through in a stout the way, you know, in a positive way, it's always, you really haven't seen bananas in, in beer a whole lot with, with sours or anything. I mean, it's just kind Not of been one of those fruits that really hasn't been touched. And, uh, and Goose Island did it in a really, really great way. It was, um, a good combination. You still got plenty of the stout, uh, base and, and, you know, the barrel there and, uh, the cinnamon was balanced really, really well with, with the banana. And, you know, they had, uh, the goose Island, you know, growth, I guess, with, uh, the bourbon County series starting in probably 2015, didn't go off the greatest. They had, you know, some infection issues or whatever. And then last year, I know there were some people that didn't love, um, the proprietors was one that, uh, you know, some people were a fan of, some people weren't, but it's, it's, uh, just kind of had people question if they can do it upscaled and if they can still do, you know, the, the kind of skills that, are uh, or skill, you know, variant style and adjunct style, uh, barrel aged beers like they did, you know, kind of from 2010 to 2014. And I mean, I think they, they really knocked this year out of the park. Um,
0: yeah, they came back with, uh, with, uh, with a lot of strength. So. But technically, if you look it up, it's banana puree, banana essence, that must just be flavoring, roasted almonds. Oh, yeah, the almonds. That's yeah, right. I, I felt like we were forgetting something. Yeah. So that's what it, I mean, it tasted like bananas foster banana bread. So very, very good. We love that. So thanks, Nate. And I know Ryan had another question from another Nate.
1: Yeah. So uh, coincidentally, um, Nate from Illinois asks us uh, what is our favorite beer and food combination pairing? Um, so, Evan, I'll let you. Uh, <laughs> start with this one.
0: As uh, simple as I want to make it a good burger goes a very long way with me. Um, and pairing that with a very traditional German style Hefeweizen always hits the spot. The I don't think the flavors compete there. I think that the fatty saltiness of the burger plus whatever accoutrements and things you put on it uh, really pair well with a soft kind of that Banana clove that you get from a hefeweizen, and of course those are usually uh, easily drinkable. They uh, they impart a lot of softness, a lot of um, uh, good, you know, mouthfeel to wash out that greasy, uh, salty burger. Uh, that's that's one of the, my favorite pairings.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I think um, a hefeweizen definitely does that, and I think a uh, an IPA, um, whether it's the hazy style or kind of the old school you know, bitter backbone style, I think goes yep. really well with salty foods too. Um, but I'm gonna go a little different direction. Um, and, uh, you know, one of my favorites is actually, um, it's, you know, with sushi. So we, we do, uh, my wife and I get sushi quite a bit. Um, and it's one of those dinners where I don't have to worry about looking on the beer menu or the food, you know, the, the food menu to see what their beer list is because, um, a sushi place with, uh, you know, just a, a Japanese lager or a straight, you know, uh, standard lager actually, I think goes really yeah. well with, you know, the soy sauce, the fish itself um, and everything else combined. So, um, you know, that's one of the places I know Dan's mentioned it before when they go to parties and restaurants, um, they always have to be a little more picky to, to get him, a, yep. you know, the good beer menu yep. with the restaurant combination. Um, and, uh, you know, sushi with a nice just standard lager that's, I don't know, those are typically probably running, you know, three and a half to four and a half percent. Doesn't have to be anything easy crazy, drinking. easy drinking, nothing, you know, no crazy flavors. It's crisp. It just really goes well with uh, with the flavors. So It's
0: probably that rice adjunct that pairs so well with the rice <laughs> yeah. in your
1: sushi. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Uh, you know, not definitely not a beer that I would, would buy at the store very no. often. And if I'm having sushi at home, um, you know, I would definitely go a m- m- more American craft beer style, but... You know, I just I just love it. It's one of the, just one of those things I really really enjoy.
0: Yeah, and I know you're a big wine guy, so a good a good steak and a wine go you know gets right nothing, to the heart of Ryan.
1: Nothing beats that. Yeah, it's pretty standard. Obviously, a good red wine um, with a steak. So if I have to do the ultimate food food and and liquid pairing, that's definitely it for me. But yeah. Uh, If we're talking beer specifically, yeah, I mean, sushi with a good, good lager is, is, is plenty good. And it's a great just combination overall, Yep, especially if the sushi is good. And we do have a couple, you know, we've got one or two really pretty good places in Peoria that make eating sushi locally, um, pretty enjoyable.
0: Yep. Landlocked, but still not without fish. Correct. Yeah. So, um, well, what we've already kind of jumped into, and I think, Ryan, you took a sip of this already. I have not. Have I not? didn't know if I was allowed to yet. I, I did take a sip of this because you were, you were, you were <laughs> rambling and I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm having a drink. <laughs> what we, uh, we, we decided to do is a, obviously, we're really testing our palates today, is uh, a Jay Wakefield Brewing Beer um, called It Was All A Dream. And if you're a big fan of hip-hop, of course, this comes from the notorious B.I.G. song Juicy. Um, one of his old, like, that's kind of a classic song. I think a lot of their beers tend to, kind of like Monkish, where they tend to name them after maybe rap lyrics, rap songs. Or Isn't house. it Hypnotize? No, it's Juicy. Really? It's Juicy. Okay. It was all the dream. Yeah. yeah that's where it's. Oh, starts. that is Juicy.
1: Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. For some reason, I've always thought that was Hypnotize. I should know mm-hmm. that because Notorious B.I.G. is one of my favorite, uh, oh, yeah. you know, hip-hop rap artists or whatever. So this beer's always ha- kind of had a special place in my heart, even though I haven't had it. So uh, the, I'm definitely excited to try this. What's the, so this is by Jay Wakefield out of, is the address actually Miami or do they have a different uh, suburb or some kind of location on there? And what's the description we got? Well,
0: like you, uh, well, we had talked to earlier, they actually are from a, must be a, you know, a, a subdivision or whatever. neighborhood Miami, or something. Or it's called Wynwood, but it's close to the beach, uh, kind of in this artsy district. I know that Um, For this guy, his name is Jonathan Wakefield, who's the head brewer owner. Uh, His wife had given him a homebrew set back in 2005. And so that's kind of his um, humble beginnings was as a homebrewer. So he eventually was able to open up the brewery um, after an apprenticeship at Cigar City. So that's kind of the uh, pedigree that he came from. Uh, obviously I guess you can't take the, the, you know, you may take the Florida out of the guy, but you can't take the guy out of Florida. So he's been down there brewing Florida beers. Um, the brewery, I believe if I'm not mistaken, could be, has opened up in 2012. Uh, and they've really kind of hit the scene with, uh, their, um, their Berliner Weiss, which was one of the top 10 rated beers, I think in the world. Um, the The
1: Miami madness, probably. No, the
0: D F
1: oh uh dfpf dfpf uh, dance something fruited
0: passion fruit or something i don't know <laughs> darn it we should have been prepared
1: um yeah we've had i think we've had both of those and uh
0: they're amazing
1: it's almost kind of it's not quite to that um the what the answer is doing where it's more of like a juice box style drink it is more of a sour but um really, really low ABV too. I think both, of, I think their, their two major sours are under 4% as well and really light. fruited with, you know, two or three different types of fruit that, uh, kind of are outside of the standard, you know, sour beer, um, fruits selected, you know, it's not your raspberry, strawberry, uh, blackberry, blueberry types, you know, they go into the guava and passion fruit and a couple of different things, I think. So, um, yeah, they they've done a really good job with those low ABV, really really uh, complex flavors, kind of popping out at you. Um, yeah, so uh,
0: it is uh, it is the dragon fruit passion. Oh, fruit. Dragon fruit, that's right. Dragon yeah, fruit passion Dance. fruit Florida Vice. I think they're rated, rated the number one Berliner Vice in the world by Rate Beer and takes number two spot on the world on Beer Advocate. Wow, um, that's where they really I think got a lot of recognition. Of course, since then they've. Continued to make those great beers, but they've also done some amazing adjunct barrel-aged stouts. So this series, it was all a dream. Yeah, the base of this is um, the Big Papa, which is the Imperial Stout with coffee, coconut, vin- coconut and vanilla. Yep. And then they barrel-aged this. Um, this in maple is, syrup, bourbon barrels, in right? Maple syrup. Please tell me where they put the maple syrup after they emptied the bourbon <laughs> yeah. barrel with maple syrup. Yeah. Um, and then they dumped it in, of course, to that barrel, which then you get this. Specifically, they use Jamaican blue coffee. So Jamaican blue mountain coffee obviously is one of the more uh, expensive and sought after coffees in the world. Uh, I did a little research on this. It is, it is well liked because of its mild flavor and lack of bitterness um, and 80% of it goes to Japan. So there's a huge chunk wow. of this that goes to Japan. I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, but it is, it comes from the blue mountains in Jamaica, which is kind of over on the eastern side of the Island, uh, high known for some of the highest mountains in the Caribbean and it's ideal rain, um, and soil atmosphere. So if you've ever had blue mountain coffee, this is made with blue mountain coffee. Um, anytime, anytime coffee is in something I'm going to be pretty happy it is 17%. It is a big boy. It, it clocks in at 40 IBUs. If you look at untapped and beer advocate ratings, you're looking at a 4.82 and 4.78 respectively. So those are really high. Um, this is a batch two. There was a batch one. Uh, I have not, and I don't think you have had batch one. No,
1: I've never had this before.
0: So, you know, I'm sure that there are some. one. I'm thrilled to try. Yeah. any need to, anytime. Um, the collaboration for this was actually with a couple breweries moxa brewing company in rockland california which is outside of sacramento and then inu island ales which is just uh, is on the island of oahu and of course they use mostra blue mountain jamaica blue mountain coffee
1: Mostra's that's a uh, coffee roastery in miami yes, is that right i believe so okay i've heard of them before so they they must be fairly popular yeah kind of nationwide so Interesting.
0: that's kind of the background of the beer, just where you're coming from. So now Ryan can kind of break it down into how should we taste this in, in terms of a uber beer nerd way?
1: Well, ironically, um, there's a couple things where we're, we're <clears throat> coincidentally connected with, uh, with Miami today. So uh, Loyola, Chicago, not, uh, not either of our alma maters, but kind of a big deal around uh, the state of Illinois this sure. year with uh, their run in the, the NCAA tournament, mid, uh, Missouri Valley Conference Champs. They actually just beat Miami today and Jay Wakefield hosted a, um, a Miami viewing party this afternoon for the game, uh, which I, I assume left a lot of unhappy Miami fans, um, but they actually did it with uh, the Dan Lebatard show from ESPN. They were the ones right. promoting it um, and they did kind of a cool thing with uh, where they had live music and it was called, you know, play hook, play hooky with Jay Wakefield and Dan Lebatard. Um, and four of the uh, four of the producers on the show actually got to um, pick the ingredients for a beer for Jay Wakefield to make. Jay Wakefield made four beers um, for the event today. So I think it was I'm not exactly for sure if it was for charity or what it, what some of the details were I couldn't find that um, anywhere, but and they said the winning the winning beer they're going to post online and they're actually going to release that and can it um, and have that available. So, well, that's fun. One was called uh, Top Ten. It's an oatmeal cookie brown ale. One's called No Fruit for You. Uh, it is a New England IPA with Amarillo and Mosaic. Uh, I'm a, I actually am a show listener, so they were joking with that one that it is uh, proudly a non-fruited IPA. <laughs> proudly. <laughs> so uh, interesting. Interesting enough. Um, and then the other two are this uh, this fruity sour style, the Berliner Weiss. So one's called hang 10 shaka bra it's a cherry limeade berliner weiss Ooh,
0: cherry limeade i
1: like that, that idea sounds really good yeah
0: especially in a berliner weiss
1: yes i think so too
0: oh spot not on. just
1: cherry lime but the cherry limeade because limeade. that is an awesome drink
0: yes like a sonic cherry yes, limeade absolutely oh yeah no you you don't go in the other flavors on that just hit the cherry limeade and you're happy
1: yeah and then the last one is a uh, is called put it on the pole a guava and passion fruit berliner so um it'll be interesting to see what ends up being the winner and i'm sure the the weather will you know kind of influence a little bit so the the oatmeal cookie brown ale may not be as highly liked is is kind of what my guess is but who knows
0: it depends they're probably going to
1: knock all four out of the park so i'm sure um no one's going to leave there disappointed other than the outcome of that basketball game so no yeah, pretty exciting. So uh, I guess we're we're moving on and uh, yeah, starting you, to enjoy this I, beer for sure.
0: You know, we've we've let it warm a little bit. Which, um, if you are a stout drinker, that's um, part of the the um, part of the discipline in drinking and tasting a stout. I think is to let it warm up a little bit. Uh, drinking it ice cold, like you would a hefeweizen or a lager, you're gonna miss out on a lot of those flavors. So I think that would probably be rule number one. I mean, you can probably tell us the order to go in, but I know that that's one of those things. If we're gonna have a stout, let's pull it out of the fridge. Yeah, don't let it definitely. come. don't let it come to room temperature, but just let it kind of warm up a smidge.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, kind of an interesting fact to go with that, I guess, is. Uh, I think around the 39 to 40 degree serving temperature is where your tongue will technically get like a flash instant freezer burn type of thing. So anything at that temperature or, or colder, which obviously you're, you know, if you get into freezing, that's, you're, you know, you're not going to drink anything there, but um, anything at those temperatures or colder, you're really not going to get anything um, for the most part. I mean, you're you're still going to smell stuff. So that's going to come through on the taste, but um, that's really why a lot of beers are served warm um, and just kind of ironically, I guess, is, uh, you know, a lot of the, the big American beers um, are your, you know, light lager style Um, that you know a lot of craft beer drinkers wouldn't prefer because it's just a little bit less flavor and I don't know how you want to describe it but uh, you know not to be too negative on it or anything but a lot of those are served extremely cold um, and some people even say that part of that is because if you let a beer like that warm you're gonna get a lot of grainy flavors and just different things that just aren't as pleasant except when you drink it really cold so there is uh, you know really part of that isn't necessarily to hide the flavors but it's just more of the the actual drinking experience and uh, you know people in America complain about the temperature that uh, beers are served in Europe because it's probably closer to that 50 degree to 55 degree temperature Um, but you know they don't really have your light lagers made um, No, by many companies or breweries uh, in Europe a lot of those are more your ales Um, they you know they haven't gone as crazy on the adjuncts and different styles as as the US has but um, that's why they serve it they serve it warmer because um, you know, a brown ale or even like, a, like an Irish stout or something like that. I mean, those don't need to be served at 40 degrees. You're supposed to get some more flavor and, and um, smells and things like that popping out of there. So that's why they serve it warmer. So, um, you know, a lot of people just kind of are instantly turned off by a warmer temperature beer but uh you know when we're drinking some of these stouts i mean it's almost i mean sometimes you prefer just let it let it completely warm up to room temperature set it out for an hour and a half before you drink it and that might be the best flavors but um what's really nice about this one is since we're splitting it two ways um you know we've got 12 and a half ounces (laughs) per person so we can really experience the evolving of this beer so you know we start we opened it probably fifteen minutes after it was pulled out of the fridge. So it was, you know, fairly cold, but as we're sitting here talking, yeah. it's gonna continue to warm up. There's gonna be more flavors that come out. Some may be hidden now and will pop later and things like that. And um, similar to uh to one of our episodes a few ago when we had the um Aslan Beaumont, um, I just remember Mark being really amazed after, I don't know, twenty minutes or so when that vanilla really started to burst out of it after it'd been sitting out, you know, for probably 30 45 minutes so um that's just an interesting part of the tasting um so yeah i guess at this point i'm going to just kind of go into a few uh tips i would have first uh, first and foremost for like a a bottle share a a beer tasting type of event um the thing about about this is is where beer you know breweries like Cantillon and dry and some of those places are really trying to bring the wine and beer worlds as close together as possible right we've kind of yeah. talked about that before and whatnot and so when you have these beer tastings um it's not as socially accepted or it's thought a little differently or, or odd in an odd way relative to if you if you were to you know tell your friends or your co-workers that you're going to a wine tasting right so right um, but essentially they're done almost the exact same way if you were to do it at a, a brewery doesn't do a lot of like private tastings or anything no Um, anything like that, like wineries do out in California and Washington and places like that, where you can actually have a tasting and they'll bring out, you know, but they'll bring out, you know, four different wines or whatever, and you'll go through them one at a time and really go, it's almost like a bottle share where you just have someone kind of directing you what you're doing and telling you the, some of the details to it. So, um, beer and wine really in that, in that sense are not that far apart. No, beer, Um,
0: beer has come a long way in trying to match the wine. Industry experience yeah. because I think they obviously want people to come on over, and right. I think more now, more day, more now these days, someone like you and I are more likely to also enjoy the wine, but like maybe we can bring some people along with us that really enjoy that beer experience because it's becoming more like the wine experience.
1: Right. Absolutely. So, um, you know, I think a, a couple of the big things to uh, to make sure. Um, you know, when you're having a tasting or or going to one, um, this is a kind of a funny one or a nerdy one. But uh, smells are smells in the house if you're hosting or on your body are very important. So don't <laughs> go crazy with your cologne or perfume if you're going somewhere. Um, but keep please everything shower. Please shower. Uh, but keep everything pretty mellow because um, you know if you're if you're a smoker, try not to smoke after you shower. I mean that can impact other people's experience so um you really want like the smells in the area where you're having your tasting your bottle share whatever um to be yep. pretty pretty neutral so that's kind of a weird one it may be obvious to some but it's um it's definitely one that that does impact things so even like i will say that's, that that's uh, why
0: we do a, an episode on charcuterie because then you have a charcuterie platter which doesn't impart a whole lot of smell in your correct. house
1: absolutely it's it was really <laughs> a good combination um But the other thing, you know, when we talk about pairing food and beer, I mean, unless you're doing something really, really specific to, you know, to have a certain dish match, you know, an IPA and a sour and a stout and kind of go through uh, some progression there. um, You know, my personal preference is something that's just kind of mild, like a cheese pizza, Um, just to have a base you got to have food in your stomach otherwise uh you know you're going to get drunk and yeah. it's not going to be a pleasant experience and even the flavors might be a little off but if you you know you need to eat at some point and uh just something light and nothing too crazy on uh, on the the taste um is going to make your your tasting experience much more pleasant and this is what if you're you know this is if you're actually getting a group of people together and you're going to have um some some beers that you want to really really pinpoint some of the details out with and and really enjoy that tasting um experience on a on a kind of a a nerdy or a different level um like a lot of people do with wine so this is kind of some of the rare occurrences and things like that i mean if you're just having a a couple beers with friends or whatever even if they're in the craft style or whatever that's not necessarily these some of these particulars don't count but uh right it's uh you know it's i think we've we talk about this a lot we're passionate about it um and when we get together and have, you know, a planned out beer lineup, um, we don't get, you know, we don't get to do it very often. So, um, we usually, you know, start planning the beers out, you know, yeah. several weeks in advance and make sure we've got a good combination of your sours and your hops and kind of have a little bit of a different progression, um, for the styles. Um,
0: and, and we've, always, we've tend to start, we tend to start with some of those bigger beers first because <clears> at <throat> later on some of those big beers, like, a beer like this we're having can tend to really crush. I mean, you won't appreciate because you've your palate's been crushed by everything yep. else that you've had. Yep. And I mean, that can your your palate can get fatigued pretty easily, no matter how you do it. But yeah. sometimes these are those ones that you're really looking forward to. Yep. And you know, we've all been guilty of having a share and then at the very end of it, you know, cracking something that we were really looking forward to and just kind of been being underwhelmed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's not even necessarily a Having too much to drink, thing it really is a it's a fatigue. I oh, mean, yeah. you do this for three or four hours, even if you're only having you know maybe I don't know five or six bottles, depending on how many people you're with. Um, towards the end of that, I mean, yeah, your your body's worn down, your brain's worn down. It's definitely a, a fatigue issue is is going to hit you. So, um, but that's why a good combination helps with that flow and um, even just some you know combining like your classic you know, rare beers or things you really, really want to try, combining that with something that's more unfamiliar to everyone. So something that maybe people aren't looking forward to or haven't heard of or something um, allows a little spontaneity um, to it um, and just kind of mixes up. It, it's a little bit makes, you know, I don't know, just yeah. a little bit more dynamic experience. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's all just part of the fun where maybe you can find some, Beer no one's ever heard of, and you really, really enjoy it. Kind of going back to the festival thing, the discussion that you and Dan had where, um, you know, Dark Lord Day, you've got some very, very specific beers you're wanting to try. Right. um, And there's kind of a little bit more of a direct lineup that's going to be on draft, um, and definitely beers you're going to seek out through the bottle sharing. Whereas, you know, the one that Dan went to is um, 500 different beers or whatever are on draft and probably 499 of them you haven't heard of. Yep. Um, a, a variant or different style of a regular base one. And they could all be hidden gems and yes. the brewery may only make it once a year and, and on tap only. And those have their own um, special place and appeal and to, intrigue, to yeah. all of us as well. So it's, it's always good to combine you know uh a little bit of variety from that sense too so um even if it's a a random one you saw you found on the shelf or you know if you you got uh one from a trip four or five hours away when you went somewhere with family or something always good to mix it up like that so um all right so i guess yeah so as uh as you kind of move into the tasting um
0: It's, i want to talk about this beer because it's already making yeah. me very very like Good. excited and i'm tingly in 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 my in my palate Let, let's so, so i
1: go ahead I was just gonna say you know this is another thing where it's very very similar to wine you look up how to how to taste a fine wine you know it's the 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 four tips or the four um actions it's looks look smell swirl look swirl smell sip is is the order that they tell you, and that's really when you look at at beer ratings and things like that. Um, you've got your look, you've got your smell, you got your taste, um, your feels, you know, your feel and mouth feel, um, and then your finish. I mean, those are really kind of the key things that people are looking for. And you know, if you're drinking a beer for the overall experience, like I think we're trying to do right now yeah. um, for such a special one like this. Going through those stages, kind of individually, is uh, is really adds to the, I think, to the overall experience. Um, With the the size of pores we have, it's hard to do like the full look. But Um, but you
0: get a pretty pitch black. um, You know, it it's opaque. You're not going to get a lot of light through that. Correct. Um, Oh yeah,
1: it is dark as night.
0: And then as you kind of swirl it, give it a little leg, um, see how the. The, the side of your glass, it's pretty thick. You can tell it's going to be thick. You can tell there's a lot of sugars in there. You can tell that um, it's got a, a low appropriate amount of carb mm-hmm. uh, for a beer of this style. Um, and when we poured it, I was specifically watching like the head, the color yeah. of the head. It has that espresso looking head. It definitely does,
1: like a light tan.
0: A light tan, so it's not super dark, but it's not like a white, like a, you know, sometimes, sometimes these lighter porters and stouts will have a little bit um, lighter head but this has a pretty you know deep brown looking um, cappuccino kind of espresso Definitely. head
1: yeah and the one thing I was just saying is because of the size of the pores, it was hard to to look at the you know the lacing or, or the quote legs on the beer because if you swirl it around too much um, you're going to pour some out be, of this you're going to spill be careful which, what
0: you say because if we say we had too big a pores, I know two people who are going to be <laughs> really upset with us <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah no comment we love you guys
0: <laughs> um but, but as you as you as you kind of do that you I mean you can tell that this is a big guy this is this isn't thin it's going to be nice and thick um and as you smell it you go into smelling yeah it's sweet
1: it's com i mean it's it's complex that is um an understatement there's a lot going on
0: i get i, I do get a very good coconut profile when you smell this so coconut's pretty easy to pick out on this
1: yeah. And I get a lot of maple I do on too. the flavor um, or on, sweet on, maple. The, on the nose. Yeah. A lot of very sweet maple. It is, it's a sweet beer. Um, oddly enough, I mean, some of these stouts that are really thick, almost have no carbonation. Um, right. We've seen some where you pour it. I mean, you can pour it completely upside down. It's, it doesn't give you any head whatsoever. Right. Um, this one did have a little bit. So, I mean, that's not necess- that's not a negative in any way. It was just, it was actually a little bit of a surprise to me. Um, but I mean, the, <laughs> you, you tilted a little bit on the side of the glass. I mean that that sticks, yeah, right to the edges of the glass. It is a thick, thick beer, um, which you know you're gonna find that to uh, have some parallels on the mouthfeel for sure. Which definitely it does. I mean it's it's, um, yeah, this, beyond the, beyond thick.
0: This gets a, a very high grade when you talk about color presentation. You know, appeal um, it being a, an appealing appearing beer. Um, you know, you you can you can pour some IPAs or some lagers. You maybe get too much haze. It's not clear enough, or sometimes the color's a little bit gray, and that'll the color will really really uh, turn you off sometimes.
1: Yeah, I would. Yeah, definitely, I would definitely agree. Um, the interesting thing about you know when you um, are sampling a beer like this or, or going through kind of the progressions, um, you know, it's not something that I, I don't think many people do with every beer they drink or anything like that. Um, some of the more special beers I will say for a time where um, I'm just watching a movie or a sporting event or whatever. Um, and there's not a lot going on where I can really kind of take, you know, maybe an hour, hour and a half on, on the beer itself um, and, and go through, you know, taking 10 minutes or so to smell it even before i take the first sip um and uh you can't do that with every every beer no if you go to you know a party with a group of people you definitely can't do it there because that just uh no is gonna (laughs) really weird people out and make (laughs) potentially make people leave so i'm not gonna um, invite this
0: guy ever again
1: but uh but regardless of uh you know one important tip i think for sure that a lot of people probably either assume or know or maybe this is um you know, too simple, but you got to pour it into a glass or cup of some sort because you got to get the CO2 release, the aromas, everything else. Um,
0: I'm a stickler with that. Yeah,
1: I am too. I mean, I hate when you go to a restaurant and they give you a, even if it's, I mean, sometimes it's a, a really good craft beer Yeah, and they give it to you in the bottle. And it's like, I, I hate asking for a glass after I probably already asked for waters. And you know, sometimes you have to ask yeah. for menus and silver so and everything else. It's like, I need a glass for the beer. Um, you know, regardless of how deep into the craft style it is, um, you know, even if it's a your standard hefeweizen, it it needs to be poured into glass. That's a, a mandatory thing. Otherwise, you're just not going to get a lot out of it. You're gonna you're gonna get no smell, um, and you're just not. You're gonna get less than fifty percent of the flavor. So yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, definitely, this is a beer. I mean, as it's it's warming, um, definitely getting coffee. Some, more the coffee I was just gonna say, and and I'm actually getting more coconut as it as it opens up too. Still not getting as much vanilla as um I don't know as it you know the, it's, the yeah. balance would say or whatever. It's not it's definitely the balance is is it's
0: probably the, the least noticeable adjunct.
1: Correct, but as it warms up, it, it that could be the one that pops out the most towards the end. So this is um you know we're drinking in a little bit more of a snifter style, so you can you know keep your hands on the glass while you're holding it to help it warm up. Um, cause it's still, I mean, it's, I'm getting, I would say it's still a little bit colder than like an optimal drinking temperature, um, for a beer like this. So, I mean, it's, you know, <laughs> it's I, something this thick and I feel like everything the, takes a while to warm up too. I
0: feel like the coffee is starting to come out a little bit more as it warms up. Um, and even a little, the, the maple is fading just a smidge as it's warming up too. I'm not getting a lot of heat from a bourbon barrel, which is nice. None. Yeah. Like None that is you, it's crazy. not hot, which is great because you may not want that heat in the bourbon barrel. And I think that, you know, the bourbon barrels really impart a lot of, um, oak and wood. I don't know if I am able to pick out a lot of wood component to this, but it's certainly uh, very, very pleasant in terms of a barrel experience.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I- I would say this is probably more on the dark chocolate side. There's almost a little bit of a bitterness to the the flavors in a good way. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would love to try the the base. I know the, the base of this Big is Big Papa, but I would love to try just the base non-adjunct stout, too. I don't know if they uh, make that at all or bottle it or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, Big
0: Papa. Yeah, they've got but bottles. But Big Papa
1: has adjuncts, so the actual stout oh, itself that doesn't have anything. I don't know if they what they'd... Yeah. what the name of that is or if there is a name or any of that yeah. but I would love to try that
0: and if you if if somebody knows out there and uh, has it maybe not necessarily have it but you know if you know out there just tweet us send us a, a message on Instagram or the Facebook page and kind of let us know where where we may miss that or uh, what 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 that's called
1: yeah but yeah I mean this is one of, I know we joke about this sometimes but this is this is a beer where I could sit here and smell it for 15 minutes before taking a sip um, just to get you know, kind of pinpoint some of those notes, whatever you want to call it, out of the beer itself before uh, before tasting it, um, partially to, you know, to let it warm, but um, almost to build up some of the anticipation, which yeah. then makes the taste even better. Um, I don't know. That's something I really enjoy doing. And um, with a beer like this, I mean, I think I've probably drank a little bit less than you. So I'm uh, sorry. I'm, I'm just but, really uh,
0: enjoying this because you've been talking.
1: It's, it's uh, I mean, there's a lot. There is a lot going on, um, and it's... It's it's a special beer for sure, and I'll and I'll um, just tell
0: you my personal preference and and temperature is not maybe as warm as yours. I like to have a little, you know, f- you know, little cool um, sensation in the taste of it and on the mouth feel, uh, and not 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 pull it out of the fridge kind of cold. But I do like that it's a little cold. Um, having a warm beer certainly is not a great is not a good thing for most beers but something like this is still gonna if we leave this um and take a sip of it in three hours it's still gonna taste pretty absolutely
1: pretty good no question yeah i'm almost even getting like a little like graham cracker like a sweet bread type of flavor that's coming out i don't know if you're getting any of that but almost like i'm kind of just trying to pinpoint it some of these a little bit because uh you know the the adjuncts that they're uh, are stated on the bottle and are part of it are, are very very present uh in a nice way um it's not like a full mixed balance like a 25 25 25 um there's probably a little bit you know the coconut's pretty strong
0: yeah coconut's real strong and and it doesn't have good. to have a
1: perfect balance i'm not saying that in a negative way but uh the coconut's pretty strong there's definitely some coffee the vanilla still hasn't come through a ton um when they say a maple syrup bourbon barrel uh you know it's it's not that's not really like an adjunct added um, it's really going into a bourbon barrel that had maple syrup in it so it's you wouldn't think it would impart this much maple syrup but I'm getting a ton of that sugary yes. syrup flavor which I think is a heck of a combination mm. with the coconut I, mean, I put it's, s- it is really
0: I put some in my coffee this morning some uh, that's a good way to start the day. Bourbon barrel maple syrup. I'm starting to run a little low. I'm kind of worried about where I got to get my next one.
1: I'm running low on my Hill Farmstead bourbon barrel aged maple syrup. It's, it's so incredible. I'm cherishing it. I haven't had in a couple weeks because it's like, I don't want to run out before I get another bottle of it.
0: <laughs> and, and like when we make pancakes, it's not something that I put out on the the counter for everyone to enjoy. I'm just like, well, that's Evan and his special maple syrup.
1: But, but Vermont's about to start going through their... Uh, Maple syrup season, so we're gonna see a boom. Hopefully, we'll see uh, see some come out. I think that starts in either late March or early April. Um,
0: no, this is a. Um, I'm I'm always impressed that it you can make a beer like this. This is I recently have been kind of tasting my stout. I did a pound of cocoa nibs, a pound of toasted coconut. And I didn't get a lot of coconut. I still don't get a lot of coconut. Now, it's still a really young beer in the bottle. And as it warmed, I still wasn't getting a ton, but this is probably my inexperience of using a five-gallon batch and putting in a pound of you know toasted coconut, and I probably need more, or I probably need more time. And yeah. that's kind of the fun thing is this guy from starting in 2015 so 13 years later he's dialed it into 2005 a, right 2005 yeah. so he's dialed this in 13 years later to make a beer like this is absolutely incredible
1: yeah yeah definitely um and i know we're not going to finish this while we're while we're on the air or anything but uh flavors typically do follow the smell i mean you're not going to get a ton of difference um in flavors um definitely but uh the one thing that uh, i just wanted to point out and and this is getting nerdy as well but uh your tongue actually different sections of your tongue are able to take in different flavors differently. Yep. And bitterness hits different parts of it in different ways. And so the one thing I always try to make sure I'm doing is just to coat your entire tongue as you're swallowing it, because that's really when you're able to, to pick all that out and, and get a really good balance of it. So that's just one, one thing with the flavors. Um, I'm still not getting a ton of vanilla. Um, I'm definitely trying to warm it up a little bit, but, uh, man, this is good.
0: Yeah, it's, um, it's it's incredible. The
1: hype is real, whatever you want to say. Um, I just, some of these stouts that are 13, 14, 15, obviously this is 17%. The few breweries out there that can make these without going down in a in a boozy way, in an unpleasant way, um, almost in a way that makes it dangerous to, to sit there and sip on because it's so easy to drink. It just, every time we have one, it just amazes me.
0: Yeah, and I remember the first ones that I had that were kind of like this were Dogfish Head. You know, they had 120-minute and the Worldwide Stout, and those really get up there to the 17%, 18% yep. range. And granted, 120-minute IPA, you can really feel it. You split that 12-ounce bottle with Absolutely. like four people. And you could tell the booze, but that is sort of the IPA that pushes the limit, period, yeah. when it comes to IBUs and bitterness and, and, and alcohol content. But... When it comes to the stouts and you know, I bet my first dip into a high A B V stout was the worldwide stout from Dogfish Head, but yeah, you think can taste too. it. You can taste the heat, and that's not inappropriate yeah. in a lot of ways because it's tough to make a beer. I mean, we've all heard the stories of um you know, I think Nathan Lerner at at Treehouse does not enjoy making Good Morning.
1: Eighteen hours or something you said or read on right. Yeah,
0: and in and, in and, and, Boy, I'd, you know, if if Nathan, if 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 you if you are if you ever listen to this and you think I'm wrong, please let me know. But you know, from from words that we've heard from people, is that it's not a it's not a very pleasant beer to make. Now, obviously, everyone enjoyed absolutely. it, absolutely. But you know, putting a beer like that together, the amount of time that you probably mash in and the amount of time that you have to spend brewing that thing, it's it's a pretty big undertaking. Yeah, yeah. I but, don't have but as but much brewing make experience, it. but please, make obviously, it. yeah,
1: please make it, yeah. You know, no for, question.
0: So for my, I mean, for my stout, I spent, a, I did a four hour mash, which is usually a lot, um, a lot longer than your typical one hour mash.
1: Yeah. I mean, you all, I mean, you kind of had to commit a, the better half of a, a day Yes. when you made this, you know, when you made your batch, I mean, that's, and there's, so that takes a lot. I mean, it's a lot of a commitment, yep. um, for homebrew or just, you know, any, you know, any brewer when, when they're making these things.
0: Yeah. So, um, that, that, that it, these, these are big undertakings to make beers like this. That's why there' are not a lot of them around because especially once you do that and then you pare it down to, you know, barrels and adjuncts and et cetera, you really start lowering your, your, um, your output.
1: I think as, as we, you know, kind of start to wrap this up, um, I think we're going to take a little bit more time after we're done finishing this for sure. But, uh, yes, you know, kind of some of the final points, uh, we've talked a lot about the flavor. I am definitely getting more and more coffee as this warms up. Yeah, You're right. Um, but you know, the, the final things are really that mouthfeel. Um, obviously you can, you can kind of take that in as, at the same time as, um, as the, as you are the flavors. Um, but, but this is creamy. This is a warming mouthfeel. I mean, for such a beautiful day that we're having here, this this is more fitting for like a ten degree, um, cold, icy winter day where you're not going anywhere versus um, you know probably one of the warmest days of the year. But uh, it is, yeah. I mean, it the flavors linger really, really well um, on the finish. I mean, the there's there's good intensity of the flavors, but it's balanced well. Um, it's nothing too. There's no harshness or overpowering or anything popping out in a way that's kind of taking the space of the other flavors that they're trying to get out there. I mean, the chocolate and I mean, everything it's, it's not a, a like I said, a, a perfect split down the middle with all the flavors, but um, everything coming through um, is great. Um, yeah. You and know, there's, there's definitely carbonation as we talked about at the beginning of this, I wouldn't say it comes through as, as you're drinking it through the mouthfeel. I mean, it is unpleasant, but, yeah, but it's the, good. It's good. The feel is just, I mean, it is coating, and I can take a sip of this and sit here for five minutes and I'm going to taste still taste it. I mean, I'm tasting. Yeah. It's you're getting plenty of the, the, the bourbon, some of that booze. Um, I mean, it's still coating the mouth. Yeah. The maple syrup is, is there. The chocolate is there. The coconut and coffee probably go away the quickest, but Holy cow. It's, there, um,
0: there's a, there's a lot of standard ways out there to kind of break down beers like this. You know, you look at, You know, you kind of break down, you can break down aroma into very specific categories. You can start breaking down flavors and adjuncts into very specific categories. You know, obviously the color, there's the standard reference method, the SRM that a lot of people refer to in terms of color. Uh, Obviously, you can get a lot of technicalities, a lot of really uh, interesting vocabulary that most people don't hear when they talk about describing a beer. But in the end, I always say it's kind of like when people... Worry about if you're having what kind of wine with what kind of food, just drink what you like, describe it the best you can and work on your vocabulary. Because when you bring in words like acidity, uh, bitterness, um, mouthfeel, wood, all these things, it gets very difficult. And if you're overwhelmed by it, just kind of break it down one thing at a time. You know, break yourself open a few beers and just kind of start on aroma. Just kind of start on adjuncts and flavors. You know, you don't have to be an expert overnight. And we're certainly not experts, but... I'd like to think that Ryan's working his way towards being a much more certifiable (laughs) expert. And I think that'll be kind of interesting on future podcasts to listen to how Ryan works on pursuing his Cicerone, you know, certification. And we'll fully support that obviously on this podcast.
1: Yeah. I need to get that going, but uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, we, we go into a lot of detail and we've, we've talked about a lot of different tips on how to enjoy the, the full experience, but uh, you know, just just have fun with whatever you know whatever you're drinking whatever you're you're doing um, have fun with it Uh, there's a lot of different ways you can take it in Um, it's just a it's a it's an incredible experience just uh, kind of how you know obviously we're pretty passionate about it but um, the different ways you can take these in and and enjoy them just uh, if you don't have the time to sit down for an hour and take notes and try to pinpoint every flavor no big deal but but make sure you're enjoying it and if it's ten minutes, if it's fifteen minutes, and if you're having a conversation, you even forget what you, you know, what you just finished. Oh, yeah. um, that happens, and uh, that's part of the process, and and just uh, have fun with it. That's really the 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 biggest part of it. the Biggest tip.
0: So um, I think the next time we all get together, we're actually all going to be with each other. That'll be in roughly a week or so. Uh, the week uh, weekend after next. So hopefully everyone enjoys a good. St. Patty's Day weekend, no one's going to make fun of you or ridicule you for having a green beer if that's what you want and that's what you're into. Go for it. I know Peoria here is going to have a pretty cool downtown Water uh, Water Street experience. That's where kind of our, I would call the main hub of craft beer, at least here in Peoria. Kelleher's in town will shut down the block. Um, Bearded Owl has really done their best to ramp up their uh, production. So they have some things available. I know Mark and I talked to Nick Babcock Babcock down there on Monday and said that they've got a, uh, a stout ready, kind of like a uh, an Irish stout ready for St. Patty's Day weekend. They're going to break out their new IPA. So it should be a good time down there. You got 8-bit beercade, tannins, and hops. So it should be a fun yeah. time if you're a, uh, a big weekend. St. Patty's Day weekend goer. Um, but... Next time we all get together, I think we'll have a good lineup. We'll try to think of something really interesting and uh fun for you everyone to experience. Anything else, Ryan? No. <laughs>
1: uh I might take another half hour to finish this cuz this is incredible. Hey, you're um, welcome
0: anytime if you want to help yeah. give the kids a bath. That's fine by me too. So
1: <laughs> Oh yeah, we're pushing we're pushing the evening tonight.
0: Hey, you know, that's okay. Like I said, um the the fun part about this is getting to experience something like this. So Um, cheers everybody hopefully uh, you get a chance to enjoy this we're gonna do a little bit of uh, cheers
1: all right cheers everybody have a good evening